0: freaking out. It's just gonna close you in. Oh, don't let the trouble win. You may feel alone, but you're not and worship together. Joyful, joyful, we adore you, got of glory. Bring Joy
1: Give us faith, Lord. Help us to trust you. Make us brave. Amen.
0: I stand before you now The greatness of your now
2: I have heard of the
0: majesty and wonder of you King of heaven in humility Jesus!
2: Good morning. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord.
1: A couple things I want to mention to you uh, that are in your bulletin. One of them is this insert about the shoeboxes, Operation Christmas Child. Next week is the last week to bring those. So if you're participating in this, just want to remind you of that. And hopefully... Uh, if you're a college student or a grad student, hopefully you picked up one of these slips of paper handed to you as you came in this morning. If not, we want to get one to you. But we are having a luncheon next week for college students, grad students, and um, folks who, who are in the community. And we want it to be a time of connecting with each other, building some relationships. And we'll supply all the food. So if you're a uh, grad student or college student, we just want you to come. Just to give us a little bit of an idea of how many may be coming um, sometime during the uh, service today, you can just tear off the end of that, write your name on there, and stick it in the offering plate or hand it to us later. Or, and if this week you're not quite sure, next Sunday you come and say, Yeah, I want to stay, just stay. And so after this service, you can head uh, next week, you just head right over. We're going to have some games and things uh, to, uh, to do as well as we get ready for the, the meal. But we hope that you'll join us. We hope that you'll be a part of this. And if you're a part of the community, we want you to come as well, and if you could, there's a sign-up sheet in the back about food you can bring. But we want this to be an event to just connect ourselves together, get to know each other a little bit more, and hopefully help those of you who are college students, grad students, to just feel like this is a little more of home for you while you're away from home. Uh, as a part of that as well, sometimes just helps to meet some folks, connect with some people. So let me invite you to stand and share a word of greeting with others here in worship today.
0: Open the
1: Hear us from heaven. so just about finished the first week of the three-week prayer vigil. hopefully some of you have had an opportunity to be in the prayer room. Um, there are so many interactive things in there and just a chance to to stop the busyness of life and spend some time in prayer with Christ. and if you haven't or if you have and you, we certainly encourage you to sign up more than once you can sign up anytime. This morning in the back of the computer, or anytime, uh, if you have any trouble signing up, sometimes we have a little bit of issues with the calendar, we're trying to get it fixed, but if you have any trouble, just call us, email us, let us know, and we will uh, we'll get you signed up and help you with that. We don't want that to be the reason why you aren't able to be in the prayer room. One of the things I've loved about the prayer vigil through the years is that it's opened my mind up to the variety of ways in which we pray. Like for growing up, I sort of had this one mindset of this is what prayer is. And it typically involved just, you know, asking God for things and quietness. And that's certainly a part of prayer. But being in the prayer room, I'm, I'm, I'm continually, my, my mind has continually being expanded about the interactive ways in which I can pray and the ways God invites us to prayer and the way we connect with God. And there are all kinds of ways in which we pray. Richard Foster's book on prayer has, I don't know, 25 or 30 chapters, and every one of them is a different idea about prayer, and he doesn't even begin to tap into all of them. And one of the places, one of the, one of the mindsets about prayer that we find in the Scriptures is found here in Genesis 32, in this passage we just read. Jacob is a, um, is a wanderer. He, uh, he left home and uh, went away on the run from his brother, because he cheated his brother out of his inheritance, deceived him, deceived his father. And he's, he takes off and spends 20 years with his uncle. And while he's there, he continues to manipulate and deceive and gain a lot of wealth. And now he's come back, and he's been forced to come back home, and he's scared to death because he's not sure how Esau, his brother, is going to respond to him. When he left, Esau was threatening his life. He's hoping 20 years have softened him, but he doesn't know. And so this night, he sends over to the other side of the river all of the, all the stuff that he owns, all the people of his family, and he stays where he is by himself. And while he's there, he gets into this wrestling match. It's one of the most unique wrestling matches I've ever seen. Wrestling to me, I think wrestling is probably one of the most intimate of all sports. You know, I mean, it is body on body, arm in arm, face to face. I mean, it, there is nothing else in the, in, the, in the room except for the two people wrestling on a mat. And it, it, it is so different from all the other sports. You know, all, all the other sports, the goal is to try to avoid your opponent. If you're playing football and you have the ball, you are trying to, you don't run at the person who is trying to tackle you. You're trying to run away from them. And the goal is not to do that. Even the linemen who are hitting each other uh, are doing that so that the person with the ball can get away. And in many sports, the physical contact is not just discouraged, it's often penalized. That's why we have free throws in basketball. That's why you get penalty kicks in soccer. You know, all of these things. That's why they throw yellow flags in football games. All, All of these things are about, you can have some contact, but it has to be minimal. It has to be, you have to be careful about it. But in wrestling, it's the exact opposite. It's all about contact. In fact, if you don't engage your opponent, if you step away from your opponent, you avoid your opponent, it's called stalling, and you can get penalized points for that. And if you, in the beginning of a match, as you're standing there getting ready to begin the the wrestling match, when the whistle blows, if you take a couple of steps back, you get warned for that, and the next time you get penalized for that. Because everything has to be moving towards your opponent. Everything is about coming together. That's what wrestling is. It is the most intimate of things we can do in terms of sports. And wrestling is also fair. They have weight classes. They don't make a 225 pound senior wrestle a 100 pound freshman. In fact, in the, in the New York State High School Athletic Association, they have 15 different weight classes spread out all across the weights so that it is fair. That's the way it should be. That's what we think. That's how that's how it's supposed to be. Which intrigues me about this wrestling match because I don't think you could find any more imbalanced wrestling match in the world, in the history of the world, than God versus Jacob. Right? I mean, God could take his little end of his pinky finger, put it in Jacob's chest, and he's pinned him. You know, sometimes people order pay-per-view for a boxing match and you get food and people all together. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this for 10 rounds. It's going to be awesome. And you hear these stories of a guy getting knocked out 30 seconds into the, into the bout. In case you're like, what, we paid for that, for this? I doubt if many people would, would pay pay-per-view to see God wrestle Jacob. It's going to be over way too quickly. And yet, it isn't. This most imbalanced wrestling match goes on all through the night. What fascinates me about this story is that Jacob is not the one that initiates this wrestling match. God is. And when I think about wrestling as a metaphor for prayer, I typically think that prayer is something I initiate. I I come to God, I cry out to God, I I start it with God. When I think about devotional time, I enter into it. I'm the one that initiates it. What if God is the one that initiates all of that? What if God's the one that initiates prayer? What if it's all about God coming to us, wooing us, calling us, seeking us? A lot of times in our Bibles, you know, they have paragraph headings and stories. And my Bible, as I assume yours does, says Jacob wrestles with God. I think they ought to turn that around because I think it should say God wrestles with Jacob. Jacob doesn't see this man and attack him. This guy sees Jacob and attacks him. God starts it. God initiates it. And the purpose for God initiating this is really to, to help Jacob see his life. To, to help Jacob experience uh, in a new way who God is. And that ends up, when you get to the end of the story, Jacob is blessed. As Jacob is wrestling with, with this man, he says, I think he begins to understand, I, this is God I'm wrestling with here. And, and he says, I want you to bless me. Now, on the surface, it looks like Jacob's pretty well blessed. I mean, he left 20 years before, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, now he comes back home and he's got wives and children, and he's got so many flocks of animals that he can give his brother a hundred, hundreds of them and not really miss them that much. It looks to me like he's blessed. But God is always looking for a blessing that's deeper than the surface. He is always looking for something more than what we can see on the surface. It's never about what we own, what we possess, what we accomplish. As important as those things are, that's how we measure success. That's how we measure blessing. But God wants something deeper in us. He wants us to understand who he is. He wants us to understand the dreams and the plans that he has for us. And we begin to understand who we are so that we can be who he wants us to be. And so when Jacob says, bless me, I'm not going to let go of you till you bless me, God's response is, what's your name? What's your name? He says, it's Jacob. Jacob means to grasp the heel. And he was named that because when his twin brother Esau was born, just seconds ahead of him, Jacob came out of the womb grasping, reaching for his brother's heel. And You know, in a literal sense, that doesn't really mean much. But in the figurative sense, that name means deceiver, manipulator, schemer. And Jacob has lived up to his name. He manipulated, he deceived, he schemed his brother out of his inheritance. He deceived his father. He went to live with his uncle. He deceived him and gained all of these crops. Jacob's whole life is about deception. It's about manipulation. It's about getting things and doing whatever he needs to to get them. And God is saying, Jacob, I know that's what you've been, and really that's what you are, but I want you to be more than that. And I think deep down inside, Jacob wants to be more than that, or he wouldn't ask to be blessed because he already is. He's already got all this stuff. It's working. He is gaining all of it, but in the, in the encounter with his brother, coming face to face with the reality of what he has done, Jacob begins to realize that it's not enough. And something in him realizes, I need to be more. I need to be different. And God says, I will make you different. No longer are you going to be deceiver, schemer, manipulator. Now you're going to be Israel, which means you wrestled with God. It seems an odd way to describe his blessing. If I were thinking of blessing, I'd think, okay, well, if I'm not this, then at least let me be like Abraham, the father of many nations. Let, let, this, let their, this new name mean something pretty profound And it doesn't seem to on the surface, but in reality it is, because Jacob wrestling with God changes his life. It is in wrestling with God that Jacob begins to understand who God is and who he is and something of God's dreams and plans for him down the road. And it really is, it's really one of the motivations for why we pray so that we can know who God is and we can see who we are and let God change us to be more and more of who he called us and created us to be. But here's the thing we need to understand. When you wrestle with God, you you can get hurt. Jacob gets hurt. One of the reasons I think we hesitate to pray, one of the reasons we don't want to pray for an hour in the prayer room is because it's way too much time for God to speak to us about things in our lives. It's way too much time for God to put his finger on the stuff in our lives, those those places about our priorities and our motivations and our coping mechanisms and all the ways in which we maneuver and scheme and, and And work and use people to get what we want, God's going to put his finger on that stuff because that's not healthy for us or our relationships. And when God does that, it hurts. Because we've been living our lives with this stuff working, we've been living our lives with these patterns, just like Jacob. And God comes to us and says, Let's do this differently. And it's wrenching to us. And it's painful to us and it hurts. And it means that we're probably going to have to ask forgiveness for people. It means we're going to have to come to grips with who we are and the stuff that we've done and the attitudes that we have lived with and we've gotten used to and we've embraced that are unhealthy for us. And God loves us too much to let us just do that and to let us just sort of wallow in that. He wants to engage us and that's why he's the one that initiates all of this. Because he wants to see us grow and change and develop into who we were created to be and what deep inside we want to be. But it's painful. And I think that's why we don't like to pray that much. I mean, we pray, we tell God, we talk all the time, but we don't listen very much. We don't just sit still. We don't get in there and wrestle with God. I think when we talk about wrestling with God, we're talking about being honest with God. We're talking about saying to God, look, I'm unhappy about this. I hate this. I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're not doing. I just need you to know that this is how I feel. And we tell God that. And that does not bother God at all. In fact, He wants that. Because relationships, healthy relationships, are always built on honesty. God's not looking for people who live in denial God is always looking for people who are honest. Honest with Him, honest with each other. Healthy relationships are always built on honesty. doesn't matter if you're talking about a parent-child relationship, a marriage relationship, siblings, close friends. Every relationship, if it is a good, healthy relationship, is built on honesty. And a relationship with God is no different. God would much rather have us be angry with Him and tell Him that and let him wrestle with us to work through it and for us to pretend that we're not angry and let that become a root of bitterness in our hearts and our souls. We keep on wrestling. Jacob is injured and he keeps on wrestling. He keeps on crying out to God. He keeps on looking to God because something in him knows that... This is a life changing experience he's having. We wrestle with God. See, the point of prayer, the point of thinking of prayer as wrestling, is not to win, it's to become so intimate with God that we trust Him enough to pray bold, risk taking prayers. We think it's winning. Most of our praying is thinking that if I could just convince God to do what I want him to do. And the implication is God doesn't want to do good for us. Which is why Jesus tells us to keep on seeking, asking, knocking. Because those who seek will find. Those who, who, uh, re- who ask will receive. Those who knock, keep on knocking, will have the door open to them. Because your heavenly father loves to give good, good things to you. We struggle with that because we don't really believe that God wants to do that. And so we're all about trying to convince God. We're all about winning. We're all about getting our own way. And so we often decide that if God isn't going to give us what we want, then we just won't mess with it. We just quit. I mean, it's amazing to me that Jacob keeps on wrestling despite the fact that he is injured. If it were me, I think I'd probably roll over and, oh, I can't take it anymore, and I'd just stop. But not Jacob. He is intent and he is he is clinging to God. He continues to wrestle through that injury because he wants God's deepest blessings. He wants to get to the point where they, they are talking about things honestly and openly, as painful as it is. And sometimes we just simply give up way too soon because it hurts. It's painful. I was talking with a wrestling coach this week who said to me that not too many years ago he could easily fill a JV and varsity roster at his school with wrestlers. But now he has a hard time even filling a varsity roster with wrestlers. And what he keeps hearing from, from the people, even some who used to wrestle and now don't, is because they don't want to wrestle because they lose too much. And they don't, they don't like losing. And so they would rather not compete than take the risk of losing. And when I heard him say that, I thought, man, that's how we pray so often. If God isn't going to give me what I want, if I don't think God's going to do that, if it seems too much, then I just back off and I just won't say it because I don't want to be humiliated by sticking my neck out and God not doing it. And God is saying, don't worry about that. You just engage me in prayer. And the more we know God, the more we experience God, the more we trust God. And the more we trust God, the more bold and risk-taking our prayers are. And we do it not because we're trying to convince God to do something that He doesn't want to do, but it's because we just believe that God is bigger and greater than we typically give Him credit for when we pray. And the results are in His hands. That's not our problem. That's on Him. And so we come and we engage with him because we want relationship with him more than we want to win. It's fascinating to me that when you get to verse 25, it, I, I, want, I read this and I think, I, I want to believe that this is a scribal error. But somewhere along the line, somebody messed up the, messed up the pronouns or something. But it says, when the man saw that he could not, would not win the match. Wait a second, we're talking about God. God can't win the match. That doesn't seem right, and yet that's what he says. When our boys were young, we would, uh, we would often wrestle with each other. And, you know, when they were five or six, I could usually pin them most of the time. Most of the time. But, you know, so that was no fun, so I let them win. You know, we'd wrestle a while, and then I would fall over, and they would jump on me, and, and they would win. And it didn't make me angry for them to be dancing around going, Yay, I won, I won, and Mom, I won, I won. I loved it. It was great. Because that made them want to wrestle that much more, and that was the whole point. I just wanted to be close to them. I just wanted that, that, that contact with them, and, and the fun, and the laughter, and, and the joy of just being together physically. And wrestling with each other, there was something so bonding about that. And that's what we were after. It wasn't about winning or losing. It was just about being together. But quite frankly, I was pretending a little bit to do that. When God comes and wrestles with Jacob, he's not pretending. He's humbling himself. God is not pretending to be humble. He is humble. Jesus comes into this world. He doesn't pretend to be human. He is fully human. He doesn't pretend to be tempted. He is truly tempted. God truly humbles himself. It's a decision he makes to interact with us in a way that is real and true. It's not a facade. He's not pretending. He is truly letting us wrestle with Him and to engage with Him. It is one of the most amazing gifts that God gives us to have that kind of relationship. And ultimately, when you think about about wrestling with God, why in the world would anyone enter into a wrestling match with God? Why would a wrestler enter into a match with an opponent that he knows is stronger and bigger and more experienced? It might be overconfidence. It might be underestimating the opponent. But it might be that he has recognized through watching tape, through listening to people who've wrestled that person before, through experience, understand that there is a vulnerability in that opponent that he can tap into. And as awkward as it sounds... I think that's what's happening in prayer, is that we have tapped in to a vulnerability in God that yearns for us. It's God's choice to be vulnerable. It's God's choice to, quite frankly, appear weak. It is the exact opposite of every other God in every other religion you could ever think of. Because the point of every other God is to be strong and powerful and to manipulate human beings and to to control human beings. And God is continually telling us that's not the kind of relationship he wants with us. And the only way for God to have the kind of relationship of intimacy that he wants with us is to choose vulnerability. There's nothing more vulnerable than a baby born in a manger. There's nothing more vulnerable than a man nailed to a cross. There's nothing more vulnerable than a dead body placed in a tomb. It's because God wants to be close to us. That's why he initiates these wrestling matches with us. He chooses to be vulnerable with us. And you know, when this thing is done, Jacob, Jacob walks away from this wrestling match, blessed and injured. He says, I actually came face to face with God and my life was spared. Talk about grace. But he also walks with a limp probably the rest of his life. And he feels it. That limp reminds him of that encounter every day. Every morning when he gets up out of bed a little bit stiff, he feels it right there in that hip. Every time he reaches down to pick up his grandchild, he feels it right there in that hip. As he's out with the sheep, he feels it. He knows when it, every time it's going to rain because he feels it in that hip. And every time he feels it, he remembers. He remembers the kind of God he's worshiping, who is vulnerable and loving and gracious and merciful, who yearns for him as he yearns for all of us. And that's why his descendants, they don't walk with a limp, but they still don't eat that tendon because they remember remember who God is and what God wants for them. That wrestling with God is a good thing. Because we see vulnerability as bad. God sees it as good. It's the way relationships are made. H.S. Woboda, our clue speaker, said, Christians are a movement of people who believe that God still wrestles with us. So you're willing to wrestle with God and find Him to be more than you could ever dream or imagine. Father, we thank You for this invitation, this gift. Give us the courage to the grace to really wrestle with you and find you to be who you say you are. Amen.
0: I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer child of God, I am a child of God.
1: going to do just that today, join churches all over the world praying for the persecuted church. We tend to do this every Sunday, but specifically today. There's a little insert in your bulletin about this and some bookmarks that you can use. As we pray together, both for the church and for each other, if you'd like to come to the altar and offer your prayers, maybe it's a time for you to just tell God you want to, you want to wrestle with him and you're ready to engage with him. Or to pray for others or other things in your life. Come and join me. Father, we thank you for your grace to your people around the world through history. Today we pray with the persecuted church. We ask for your grace upon everyone who is in a situation of difficulty and pain, threats. And pray that you would give to them the grace that they desperately need. Help them, Lord, to continue to call out that Jesus is Lord. And that actually those who see them and witness them and persecute them might see you in them so much that they too would say, Jesus is Lord. We pray, Father, for your work around the world. We think of the Rodrigos in Sri Lanka and pray that you would continue to help them as they lead the Westland Church there. And even now as they work with damage from recent flooding, as they bear witness to you in this country, we pray your anointing upon them in every way. We pray, Father, for uh, the refugees throughout the world and ask for your healing grace in their lives and their needs. We pray for all who are dealing with terrorist attacks and War and violence and fighting throughout the world. I ask that you would bring peace, bring healing to our nation. As we move into Tuesday's election, Father, give us hearts of compassion and love and grace for those who agree with us and those who may disagree with us. May we represent you well with the Spirit of Christ, no matter what the outcome of this election. Help us to remember, to know that no matter what happens, you are Lord. Period. We pray, Father, for the ministry of churches around us here. Think of the Genesis Bible Church in Sio, Pastor Chamberlain. Pour out your spirit upon this congregation of believers. We pray for our own needs here, for our adult Sunday school classes. Many of them taking place right now. Pour out your spirit upon them as they meet and think and discuss and pray and connect Father, we pray for all who are grieving among us today, for all who are dealing with health concerns today, for all of the burdens we bring with us, relationships that are not what we would want them to be. Father, help us to be people who are so desiring of your blessing that we would wrestle with you and let you teach us more of who you are and who you created us to be in your Spirit's grace we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all the many ways he has blessed us. My spirit to the music. Where feet may fail, and there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stay. rise my soul presence of myself. So